How is everybody doing? faculty meeting. You probably want to get out of here, but I will warn you that we are filming this for other schools. So uh, look interested, look happy, and when that red light goes off, you can talk bad about me if I really, really bore you. Okay, so uh, just you know, just a little warning. Right back there, the camera is on. But my name is Jason Wheeler. I'm in the communications department for CFBISD. This is actually going on, getting close to my 30th year in CFBISD. I was a student at Sheffield, I was a student at Dan F. Long, and I graduated from Newman Smith. So I went to AM for four years, but I am back, and I was a teacher. Thank you. Um, it, can't wait for tomorrow night. But um, I was a teacher at Dan F. Long for four years, and then I moved to Arnold Turner High School, where I was the director of the AMAT Academy for eight years, and this has been my fifth year, going into my fifth year with the communications department. Absolutely love it. And I also love seeing my students that I taught come back and be teachers. Uh, like uh, people like Sabrina gave me the gray hair, so uh, you're right, everyone has the gray hair. But uh, it's always exciting. I go to all these campuses and see all the students that I had, so it's, it's pretty impactful. And that's a story in itself. So uh, thank you for being here. And I like to start off every presentation the same way. I like to play a video because it just sort of sums up my whole discussion for today. Most of you looking at the room probably will have no clue what this show is, but just bear with me, unless some of you watch on TBS. Uh, all right, so if you did not know, that was the Andy Griffith Show, and it ran during the 60s. It's one of my top five television shows of all time, with The Wire, Sopranos, Seinfeld, Andy Griffith, The Shield, in case you're wondering. But uh, I absolutely love the show. Of course, Don Knotts, my favorite character, you also saw Little Ronnie Howard, which is a uh, famous movie director now, so if you can believe that. But the reason why I always show that clip is because back in the 1960s, this was the number one show on the air. Everybody watched it. Part off because there was only three channels, but also because of the hometown feel and the way it made people feel. So back then, products could be advertised on this show, like Post Cereal, to 50 million people that watched that show and people would run out to the grocery store and buy those cereal. Well, that doesn't happen much anymore. We have fragmented media societies. We have so many different channels. We have the internet, we have social media, we Netflix and chill, that's the cool word to say. I, but there are so many different channels out there that it has become very hard to communicate professionally in my job, but also just to communicate in general. And the same thing is happening in our schools. Back in the 1960s, when they built a school, when your grandfather would go to school uphill, both ways home, to school in the snow, when they built a neighborhood school by his neighborhood, everyone went out of their house whistling and skipping to go to school. They couldn't wait to go to their neighborhood school. Well, now, there's so many different options and so many different channels to get your education on. People are not necessarily choosing public school to send their children to. There are private schools, which my wife is a private school teacher, so I'm technically married to the enemy. Um, there are <coughs> charter schools, which is taking away a lot of our students in CFBISD. There's online, I was, I, I'm a nerd, I watch CNBC in the mornings to watch the stock market before it opens. And there are actually 
ads about online classes that you can take so you don't have to go to K through 12 anymore. You can do it all online and to be homeschooled, but your parents don't have to homeschool you once they get to that algebra phase and they have no clue what algebra it is, they can, someone else online virtually can take that over. So we are seeing in this world that used to be, it's no longer the case. And like a great poet said, the times, they are a-changing. So we need to adapt and change the way we are doing things. And that's where you are going to come in, which this school already does an awesome job. So I'm preaching to the choir, but for the new people and maybe some people that have not grasped this uh, social media or this branding experience of your school, I'm going to talk today that we really need help in the communications department because there's only some of us and there are 40 different schools and centers out there that we need help telling the brand or lifting up the brand of our schools. It's very hard for us to do that as just one little department. We need the help from the teachers, the administrators, and the staff to help build that brand when we go out there and tell our stories. Now, to tell you the truth, I hope I don't lose my job because this is on video. Parents do not care, really, about CFBISD as a district. They don't care about anything else except where they are currently sending their child to school and the classroom their child and the teacher they are with. Most parents probably could care less. They might care about the next step, middle school, high school, when they're getting close to those decisions. but. On a daily basis, they care exactly what's going on at Central Elementary. They don't really care what's going on at Newman Smith, unless they have some other kid there. They don't really care what's going on at another elementary school. They want to know what's going on in Central Elementary. That's why it's so important to build a brand and be a brand ambassador for your school to help tell those stories and to build up the greatness that is Central Elementary. So. Everyone probably knows what these logos are, right? Yeah, do that in there my wife buys it every six months. But um, those brands are recognizable, but it's so much more than a logo. It's more about telling your stories. Because the most important thing when you put something out there, a story, or you put out something about the school, is the parents want to know, first off, is there a kid in the picture? <laughs> that you put out there, but they want to know the great things are happening because they like to go to the baseball game and the soccer game and brag. My son or daughter is doing STEM in library. Can you believe it? I bet your son or daughter doesn't do that. They want to tell the great things out there. We need to give them reasons to tell the great things about Central, great things about your classroom, and the great things, of course, about CFBISD to help save my job. So, when I talk about this, I also want you to realize that not only is this helping the school central, but it's also building your personal brand. A lot of you have aspirations to become counselors, to become principals. Uh, so building a portfolio and showing that you're uh, building this um, brand for your school is definitely going to be a positive when you go in for your interviews. But some of you are building a personal brand just to sell items on teacher pay teacher or have speaking engagements. 
My wife has a friend that he sells before AP World starts every year. He's a high school teacher. He sells a flash drive to people online, mails it out for $75 a flash drive of all his lessons through the whole year. So teachers can use it for their lessons. And he advertises the heck out of it on social media. He's building up his personal brand. He made him one day, 24 hours before school started, $75,000 selling his lessons. They're, all, they're awesome lessons and awesome PowerPoints, but he made $75,000. So what am I doing at night? I'm sprucing up my wife's PowerPoints in Photoshop <laughs> and put him on there so she can sell stuff um, on Teacher Pay Teacher. But he made $75,000. So you're not only building Central's brand, you're building a brand for yourself as well. And the best way to do that, the best way to communicate that now is through social media. And why do we say social media? Why is it because it's the hip thing out there, everyone's doing it? No, because it's powerful. There are so many people on social media that it's unbelievable the reach and the engagement you can do, and you can drill down. It's not just throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping someone sees it. You can really narrow down your audience, who you're trying to attract, and especially when you have a classroom, you have that set core parents that you really can target and attract. So go through this really quickly. I know you guys know already about social media, but Facebook, doesn't matter what people are saying. No, oh, no one's on Facebook anymore. Facebook is still the king of social media. My theory or my motto is, as long as people are having kids, and they're having their first steps or their first words, or they're going on their second honeymoon or whatever, people are gonna be on Facebook. Because as a society, we love to brag and tell people what we are doing. And we love to share that with family and friends. And that's the core sort of thing that Facebook is really trying to concentrate on, family and friends. So people are on Facebook, if anything, just to brag, but they're there for connections. And they will connect with you if they know you're out there. Then, of course, Twitter. This school does an awesome job on Twitter. It's definitely transformed more into an informational and news type style thing. It goes by so quickly. So Twitter is still very powerful. It's had some hiccups along the way, but it still works very well. But I always tell everybody when I go to these presentations that if you haven't thought at least about Instagram, then you need to start thinking about it. It's the fastest growing social media platform out there. Over 1 billion active users daily. And the, why, the reason why it works so well is because of the visual nature of Instagram. And with a school like Central, where English could be sometimes the second language of our parents, right? Being visual and putting your stories out through pictures and video could really help with the engagement <laughs> with your parents. So this is definitely something to consider. But just overall, we look at this, like I said, I'll go through this very quickly, but you can see some of the uh, frequency of where people are at. Facebook, like I said, is still king. Snapchat is starting to decline a little bit. People are starting to shift over to Instagram, but Snapchat's very powerful. I'm not gonna tell you or endorse that for you to use, because it can be a little dangerous sometimes and a little confusing, but it is pretty powerful. You can see Twitter uh, is dropped in sort of its strength over the last couple of years, and YouTube is still very popular, but for your parents and your generation that you're trying to get the millennial generation, you can see this right here, this band. Even though they say people are banning Facebook, 81% on a daily basis use Facebook. 91% where the younger generation use YouTube. Uh, then Twitter, 40%. 
and you get into some of the others, Instagram, 64%. So it's a very powerful communications tool. If you're scared to get on social media, or you think that it's bad to be on social media, most people now, especially in the generations that we're trying to attract your parents, are on social media. It's one of the best ways to communicate and the best way to get your message out there. And if I haven't convinced you yet, here's 2013 when they announced the new pope. That's what it looked like in Rome when they were about to announce their selection. Those are all smartphones, all tablets. That was five years ago, all ready to post on social media, Facebook, Instagram. It's a powerful tool. This is how we're communicating. So it's just going to be, I know it's other duties as a sign, but it's something that really probably could help your classroom communication, your engagement with your parents to know what's going on. I always say, my kids come home from school, and I ask them how their day is, and what's the first thing they say? I don't know. <laughs> Nothing. Well, what, what did you do in specific class science? I don't remember, nothing. So if you have a picture that parents can pull out of their pocket in their smartphone and say, ha ha, you did do something in class today. Tell me about this specific moment. Think how powerful that is for a parent to not only engage in the day-to-day -day process of your classroom, but to engage with their child to hopefully get them excited about what's happening in your classroom. So it's a very powerful tool. So how do you do that? I'll go through this, like I said, hopefully pretty quickly. But you start basically by engaging your audience. You need to find ways that you're going to be engaging. What I mean by engaging is you want people to interact with your content. Back a long time ago, it all is, you know, how many likes can I get on Facebook? How many followers can I get on Twitter or Instagram? Really, the question you should be asking yourself is, how many people share my content? How many people are commenting on my content? Because that really shows the true power of the content that you're putting out there. So likes are okay, but if you only have a class of 28, 29 kindergartners, you probably want 30 to 35 people following you, or maybe 60 if it's both parents, actively engaging in your content. The best way I can say to do that is first off, visuals. You have the power in your pocket. Take pictures that are going on in the classroom. Take short videos. I always see fine arts from here uh, doing videos every day. I always like them. I always retweet them because I see them every day. I see the students engaging. So that's powerful. Parents want to see what their, their kids are doing. They want to see their kids' picture in the big lights and show that they're important and they're doing cool things in their classroom. So visuals are important, and of course, video is very important. Be engaging. Know your audience, which I'll talk about in a second, but that's powerful. The best way to do that is just ask your parents what platforms they're on. What would you like to see of the content that I'm providing? What do you want to see during the day? How do you want to interact with me, communicate with me? Just ask your parents. Always tell a story. I know that can be difficult sometimes, but like they say, a picture's worth a thousand words. A picture can, can tell an incredible story. You don't have to write about a bunch of information. You probably need to fill in the blanks a little bit and say what's going on, but telling that story, how it's impacting the student's life, how it's going to impact their success going on to the next level, is going to be very important. That's all a form of stories. Live in the moment, and what I mean by that is this. If you were doing a plant project in science about chromosomes or whatever, 
Um, don't wait for two weeks to post it on your social media account. Post it that day, because like I said, it's very powerful to know as a parent what's going on each day in the classroom. Don't wait to post your content. If you went on a field trip, don't do it as a monthly newsletter. Post it now and often and engage with your parents. Give them a reason to keep coming back to your uh, social media or your content. Be useful. This is one of my big things. I go around all over the place, and this is what I mainly talk about when I talk to like chambers and rotary and conferences. I talk about what's called as content marketing, and that's giving information, helpful, useful information to people so you become the trusted expert in a subject. So if you teach pre-K or kindergarten, what are the top 10 tips to teach a student how to read? Or, you know, what's the benefit of science in elementary school? Or how fine arts will transform your student's life? Think of useful content you can give to your parents that's going to help them engage with their student and maybe put them on the right track. So stuff from Education Week or, you know, whatever, uh, what is it called, highlights? Or whatever, just little useful chunks of information are going to keep people coming back and coming back and coming back. Because if you can believe it, I research millennials quite often, and 70% of millennial moms, and those are usually the people that are, have the highest engagement with their student uh, on a day-to-day -day basis when it comes to education, 70% say they get their parental guidance how to raise their kid from mommy blogs and social media. 70%. That's incredible. So they're looking to find a trusted source to help raise their kid. I'll do a little quick little funny story, but uh, when our first child was born, it was like when YouTube first got started. So it wasn't, you know, like the mammoth it is today, but the nurse, you know, we were in the hospital two days, and the nurse comes back in with the kid and says, all right, we're about ready to go. Aren't you so excited you get to go home? And we're like, yeah. And they go, all right. But state law says that nurses are not allowed to help you strap in your kid in the car seat. So you need to do that. I'll be right back. I'm going to get your goodies. They give you a free bag. They give you a stuffed animal and diapers that last about a day and a half. Um, but you, they, so she leaves the room, and my wife and I look at each other, and we're like, We've been practicing with stuffed animals. We still have a picture that we have of the stuffed animal bear in the car seat. But this is a real live human being that's breathing. And so I'm like, Amy, look on YouTube how to properly strap a kid. Where's the strap need to go? Where's the clips need to go? Where's the lesson? So we looked it up on YouTube and watched a 30 second video on how to properly put your kid in a car seat. That was powerful for us in that moment. Thinking about posting videos of the best way to teach your kid addition. So the parents can survive math homework. Think about, you know, cursive. My son went from a school where they taught cursive, but it wasn't the cursive that he just transferred to a school, the delineal, the delinean, is that how you say it, um, uh, cursive. So he has to do his spelling test in cursive. His first one was last week. He had to basically memorize how to do cursive in a week to be able to get the full points. So we got a little app from social media that shows how to write the perfect cursor for each letter and how they connect with other letters, things like that. You type out the word, you can practice doing it that way. So it's powerful. Parents appreciate that kind of stuff. The big one is know your audience. 
Who are you trying to communicate with? Who are you trying to interact with? Who are you trying to engage with? And like I said, being a uh, teacher and having students, the best way to do is just to ask. What are they on? What do they want to see? What the type of content they want to see? And millennials are the biggest generation right now. And like I told you before, they are all into social media and they're all into useful and helpful content. But this sort of breaks down the millennials. And you probably fall into a lot of these categories. Uh, I just missed this uh, early millennials. But early millennials saw their parents in the 80s. Like Transformers, G.I. Joe, Go-Go 80s, Wolf of Wall Street. Everyone's having a great time. Everyone loves their job. You know, let's party type atmosphere. So these guys are a little bit laid, more laid back. They're a little bit more, you know, live for the experience, the adventure, YOLO. They're probably still using that because they're a little bit older. But recessionist millennials who are now bringing their child, children to school are the ones that you're probably going to see the most of. These are parents that they lived through the Great Recession. They lived through 9-11. They saw their parents probably move one, two, three jobs in one year. Probably maybe some of them even lost their homes. So these are a lot more conscious about finances, life decisions, and the success of their child. They want to see their child better off than they had it as a kid, and they want the best opportunities, and they want to see that happening every day in the classroom. So this is who you concentrate on. These millennials with kids that are most likely recessionist millennials, they went through some rough times, and they're looking for a better life for their children. So produce content for them that's going to show them that. And of course, you have to know your audience. You can't just go on Google and like, what do millennial parents want in the United States? You can't do that because everyone's different. You really need to know your parents, get to know them, survey them, know what content. Because if I went on Google and said, as a corporation, I want to target someone that was born in Britain, that's white, male, and born in 1948. Well, there you go. There's two separate guys that are totally opposite of each other. So just going on Google and saying, what do millennials want to see on social media is probably not the answer. You want to specifically ask your parents and have them really tell you the best way that they want to see the content. Now, I'm going to give you some examples we've used in the district really quick of how we looked at audiences and we really used visuals and content to really approach that audience. This was at Freeman Elementary. They have a thing every month called uh, reading with your dad and you bring your dad after school and you read to them in a corner or they have story time, things like that, but it's really geared towards the dads. So we thought, what is gonna really convince dads to come to this event? Or what's really gonna convince moms to kick their husbands in the butt to get them to that event? Well, we thought, why not make them a little jealous? So this was the perfect picture that needs no text. This tells a story all in itself. If I bring my daughter to read with my daddy night, she's going to be on my lap, be fully engaged. That's the most loving pose I've ever seen. And I am going to become that dad. So in that moment, they see with this picture that they really want to come to Freeman Reads because you know what? That's going to be me and my daughter. 
So that's one way to approach an audience. Second way with students. If anyone knows anything about Turner, they have like crazy school spirit. They do all these outrageous things to really get the crowd pumped up. Well, the Lionettes did Thriller as a routine during halftime, and they painted themselves all up, and we got the benefit of this being on Halloween night, so it gave a little bit extra excitement. But all I did was go out there, took a picture of this in the stands, so I told them this to look creepy, and I knew that every one of those girls was going to share this, retweet it, and sh their parents were going to do it, their brothers and sisters, and everyone in the school that was a friend of these girls was going to do the same thing. It's building engagement by knowing my audience. This, I think, was on Instagram, actually. This is Twitter, but it was originally on Instagram. So that was powerful. I knew my audience. I knew what was going to get them to share. They have crazy school spirit. They love their lionettes. They love this performance. Share this picture. Boom, it tells a story, but it also is going to be engagement worthy. The last one that I'll brag on is I took that school spirit because not only do the students have school spirit, all the alumni of our alterner have school spirit. So I went over there with my smartphone, that's all I did, is I interviewed two or three teachers, two students, and then I took uh, footage of their pep rally. They have the morning pep rally in the morning. And I took some footage at the game that night. It was uh, homecoming. And all I did was edit it really quickly on my smartphone. It took me 30 minutes to film in total and like 30 minutes to edit together really quick. And shared it on Facebook. It reached over 50,000 people and was watched 24,000 times. Just from a little something simple video, knowing my audience, what was going to get them excited. And posted it on the right post. I was trying to get the alumni to get really excited about coming back to the homecoming game. So I posted that on there, and you can see uh, 600 or uh, almost 9,000 clicks to go to what I call a call to action to the next step. To really, it was a link to uh, Turner High School and talking about the game and stuff like that. So we got people to come to the game through an easy little video that got us 24, 25,000 views. So think about those moments. Think about those opportunities that you can do in your classroom that might drive this type of engagement. Okay, tips really quick. Start off with a profile. Whatever social media account you're going to be on, I'm going to give you some tips, some do's and don'ts to maybe help you out because we've seen a lot of great do's from the school especially, but also we've seen some don'ts. I'm going to reference some of those to, you know, persuade you not to do the don'ts. Okay, I'm going to use some other school districts to help you out. So, uh, but the profile, use a friendly handle or a profile name. That's the first step. When you're developing these things, a username that is e easily searchable, but also that's appropriate. We don't want to put Texas Zeta Queen 2000 Sexy Mama as your username. We don't care. All right? We don't, you know, uh, I, I was in a fraternity, so I, I handle the Zetas. That's why I pick on the Zetas if anyone's a Zeta in here. But we don't want those cute little college names or, you know, some of our parents, some of the email addresses that we get. We don't want those <laughs> usernames um, being put as usernames on professional teachers' accounts. So that's the first step. Second, a recognizable profile photo. You wouldn't believe how many times I scroll through, like all the feeds of all the district accounts and things like that, 
and I will stop because I recognize someone that I went to their classroom or I recognize content they've done in the past. So a recognizable photo. So probably the best thing that you could do is get your neighbor or your team teacher to use their smartphone. If you have one of the more updated iPhones, do portrait mode, but just take a headshot of you to use as your profile picture. We don't want to see, you know, you on the beach drinking a Corona. We don't want to see that. We don't want to see, you know, anything, just a professional photo that you come to school every day. Someone can take that and you'll be ready to rock and roll and people will recognize you, the parents. When they come to meet the teacher, they'll recognize you and they'll be able to stop and sort of know that that's the content from their teacher. I'll give you an example that you probably don't want to do. This happened at my wife's school. This is a true story. They, she got fired and she works at a Catholic school, so they were, they were a little bit drastic with that, but she put as her profile picture, she went on spring break, it was a younger teacher, she was in a bikini drinking a full bottle of wine going like this to the camera. She put that as her profile picture for her teacher Facebook account and she does the classroom account. She got in big time trouble. So be very, very careful what you're putting out there and what you're doing, okay? Create a brief bio, because people want to know about you. Create that bio, and if you have a link to a personal blog that you do, or a website that you run, or if you don't have that, link it back to Central Elementary. Get kudos for your school. Content, I already said, pics and video are gonna be the most important thing you put out there. It's the highest engagement by far. Live video, um, if you don't mind making a fool of yourself and doing live videos, that's gonna get 20 times more engagement than a regular video that you post on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Live video will drive engagement, and not only will they watch it live, but they'll also watch it during the replay. Those stupid videos I do for the district, me acting stupid, um, they get three, four, five thousand views each time I do that. Just going out there and just saying, go for the Bell rally, things like that. That works, it works. It really engages your audience. Behind the scene pictures, Sometimes the final product is not the best moment of your story. The best moment might be when there's glue dripping all over the kid and he's trying to put together his final product instead of his final product. The behind the scenes stuff, even faculty meetings to show the parents that you are preparing for their child's next day is gonna be big and huge on social media. So behind the scenes pictures and user generated content, what that means is let the students do it. I know that can be a little bit difficult in elementary school, but I just let the uh, Newman-Smith uh, Troyans take over the account last week, and I got, the first time they did it, I got like over a thousand followers when the, the Lionettes did it on Instagram. This time I got like 150 new followers. User-generated content is awesome because parents are gonna care more about that if their child is like Twitter leader, like line leader, you know, they go home, that's the one thing you know about. <laughs> when they come home from school, I was line leader. What else did you do at school? Nothing. But uh, user-generated content really, really rocks. Hashtags, Instagram, if you're using Instagram, hashtags are a must. I hide those in the comment section so it doesn't look like I'm spamming with a bunch of hashtags. Um, but it's Instagram, a must. Twitter, I would use probably three, maybe four hashtags. Don't get too spammy. Facebook, they don't work. I know you've been trained to do CFE matters to me. It does not work on Facebook. So don't, I wouldn't even put the hashtags on Facebook, but Twitter, Instagram, big time must. Look up what the trending hashtags are in our area. Did you know you can actually look, like in the Carrollton area, and look what hashtags are trending? 
you might see something that could relate to the lesson you're doing or something that relates to the school in general. Local hashtags, like I just said, and then be campaign specific when you use hashtags. If you're doing a cool project or it's the 100th day of school, use that hashtag because that way people can find stuff a lot quicker when they're looking at your content. Okay, last one, engage. This goes a little bit beyond about just posting pictures and stuff. The best thing you can do, this is within 24 hours after you post something, respond to the comments. Respond if someone shares it. Because the more you respond, the more likely they're going to respond. And because of these, what they call algorithms, of these new social media accounts, the more comments and shares you get, the more people are going to see it. So if you comment and encourage more comments, then that's just going to let your content expand and really grow. Uh, mention others, tag people in pictures on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, tag people, tag your fellow teachers, tag some maybe PTA presidents that are here or parents that are your room moms, tag people. Because if they're tagged, they're more likely to share it and let other people know about it because they feel special. Ask followers questions. Don't wait for comments to be on there. Develop your own comments. Drive engagement that way. And then promote it across all different networks. If you're posting a lot of cool stuff on Instagram, tell people on Twitter. Or tell your school who's running your Twitter account to, I have this awesome Instagram. You should you know, tweet about me on my Instagram and get more people to look at my Instagram. So look at opportunities where you can brag about your other social media profiles and content.